You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. moment. We've all had that moment. We're doing a parenting uh, a series, and so as parents, we've had that moment when our children or teens or young adults have come to us with a, a situation that's bigger than them. But you may be in here as a teen or a young adult, and you've had that moment, you know, as a child, that moment when you have to talk to your parents about something that is so big, so life-altering, that you have to face it head-on, and it's the most difficult thing in the world. It might not have been that I'm pregnant could have been I wrecked the car. Could have been I, uh, I got suspended. Got in a fight. I'm addicted to drugs. The list can go on and on and on. And the temptation for us as parents, the temptation for us as parents, you heard um, on the video how the dad says, how could you hurt me that way? Emma, how could, how could you do this to me? The temptation for us as parents is sometimes for us to compare. We compare our kids with one another. Why can't, why can't you be like your brother? Or why can't you be like your sister? Or sometimes we compare them with someone in another family. Why can't you be like John's son or... Sue's daughter. I think we've all done it as parents. I think we default to that temptation. And usually when we start comparing our children with one another, it, it, it usually will put up a wall. It usually will form scars, wounds, hurts that only God can heal. And so the third message that I want to preach in this series is the way that we parent for success is we avoid comparisons. We avoid comparisons because comparisons do so much damage. Maybe you're in here like someone in first service that came to me afterwards and said, That's, that was exactly my life growing up. My parents always compared me to my siblings. They always compared me to my peers. And so I believe that there's going to be healing that will take place in someone's life in here today. And maybe if you're listening on the podcast that you're going to receive healing um, because God's going to speak into your heart because we're going to find out from a parent in the Bible that Loves without comparing. We've been going in, in, through this series, and I've had a, a memory verse for every week 
And I've heard a lot of great reports. People have been posting it on Facebook, and they've been uh, talking to me about how it's really helped them through the week. And so we have another memory verse for today. And the memory verse comes from Galatians 6, verse 4 in the NIV. And it says, each one should test their own actions. They can take pride in themselves alone. And I want to emphasize this part without comparing themselves to someone else. Can we read it together? It says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. I want to read it one more time, and I want you to read it like you mean it. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. And from that verse, we're actually going to springboard uh, into a passage in the Bible uh, in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 15, where Jesus told a parable, a story about a father who teaches not only his son, but also us today how to avoid comparisons and how to meet our children right where they're at. How many of you as kids, as children with your parents, you wanted them to meet you right where you're at, not compare you with someone else, but just meet you at that circumstance, meet you at that place, understand you in that, in that mindset that, you're, that you were in. Love you where you were at. I think all of us have been there. And how many of you as parents, it's been difficult for you to meet your kids where they're at, to, to, to meet them and love them right in that difficult circumstance. It's usually easier to love them in their great efforts and in their great acts and performance. But what do we do when they don't meet that rule or that measuring line that we put? We're going to go to uh, Luke chapter 15, and there Jesus is talking to religious leaders and religious people that are actually upset about him showing love to people that they did not believe, the religious leaders did not believe they, they matched up to their own effort, to their own actions, these religious hierarchy or higher-ups. And Jesus tells, he actually says three stories or what we call parables to these individuals, but they speak to us um, as we look at one of them, which is called the prodigal son. And many of you in here, you've probably heard the prodigal son and you, you've heard it over and over and some, you maybe never have heard the prodigal son. And so the prodigal son is about a, 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 a son who leaves his father for the things that he wants to do, the partying and, and, and the, the carousing and the, the sexual promiscuity and all these things he wanted to set out on his own to do. And, uh, and, and, and he gets to a place where we're going to read right now where he says, man, I messed up. And so we read it from that perspective, but we usually don't read it from the perspective of how do we avoid comparisons. And in this story, in this parable, is a wonderful narrative of how we as people, and especially as parents, should avoid comparing ourselves to others, and especially our children, from one another. Let me pray. 
Father, I want to pray your blessing over every person here. Especially, Lord God, uh, your blessing over me as your spokesperson. That's exactly what I am. I'm just a spokesperson. I am just a messenger. Imperfect, just like everyone else that's sitting in this this church service. But we're going to be talking about the perfect one, who's Jesus Christ. And I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit that I'll be able to speak in a way and engage this sitting audience in a way that we can grab a hold of what you're speaking to us about. How do we avoid comparing our children and our friends? How do we avoid comparing them to be something that they're not? And my prayer is that when we leave here today, Lord God, that that all of us will be able to say with a very confident word that it's been really good to be in your house. And it's been really good to hear your word because it's changing us. So I pray this in the name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. amen. So uh, Luke 15 starts out like this. It, it starts out um, with the tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Often, often they came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law, it didn't make them happy. It, it, it made them what? What does the word say? It made them complain that he was associating with such sinful people. He would even eat with them, they, they'd say. So Jesus told them this story. And that's where we go into the, 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 the first two stories. He told them a story about a shepherd who had 100 sheep. And one of the sheep got lost, and that shepherd left the 99, and he went and sought after that one, and when he found him, there was rejoicing over that one lost sheep. And then he tells us the story about a woman that had 10 coins, and those 10 coins were precious to her, and she lost one of those coins, and she stayed up all day, all night, sweeping out the entire house so that, he could find, so that she could find that lost coin. And then he saves the best for last. He says this big parable called the prodigal son. And it says this exact verbiage in verse 11. It says, to illustrate the point further. Tell someone he's going to illustrate the the point further. In other words, he's going to give you a better understanding. Jesus told them this story. Now, who's of them? The religious leaders. The scribes that were complaining about him eating with sinners and tax collectors okay he told them this story and he says a man had two sons the younger son told his father i want my share of your estate now before you die now that's a that's one of those that moment the father had a that moment that moment the father is so good to his both his sons and he never probably thought that his son would be saying, I want everything right now. I want to leave and get out of here right now. Give it to me. He had a that moment. And his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings, belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Notice it doesn't tell us a time frame. This could have been a week. This could have been a month. This could have been a year. This could have been five years. It doesn't tell us how long it took for him to waste all his money, but it said he wasted it all. It also doesn't tell us what is happening uh, uh, in those few days that he's 
getting himself ready and letting his dad give him all that he's acquired. And his dad was very uh, affluent. He was a very wealthy man. He had things that he could share. So he was gathering everything up. It doesn't tell us what's going on. Was his, his, there's an older brother involved. We'll see him come back into the picture right now. Was the older brother telling his younger brother, dude, what are you doing? Dad treats us incredible. What are you doing? Asking, I cannot believe you. Asking for the inheritance right now. Who, who do you think you are? You're hurting dad. You're hurting them. We don't see that in the text, but we can assume that there was something going on behind the scenes. So verse 14 says, about that time his money ran out and a, and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. I think there's some time that goes into that. He didn't starve right away. His money, as it ran, ran out, he was probably thinking, what, what am I going to do? But he begins to get hungry. And he persuaded a, a local farmer to hire him, and the, this, the farmer sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Now, this is so important to understand. Now, Jesus is telling the story. Jesus was a Jew, and he's talking to a Jewish audience. So he's talking to the, these, uh, uh, he, he's amongst sinners and tax collectors, and they know that Jews have no association with pork because pork is unclean. Think about it. And not only is he telling this story to those, but he's really speaking to the Pharisees and the, and, the, and the religious leaders who knew that for a Jew to touch pork is unheard of. But not only is he touching it, he's working, the, the, he's working this, 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 this pig farm. So that's important to understand. And the young man became so hungry, verse 16, that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Not only was he associating in an unclean area, but these pods began to look good to him, but no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to a census, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough to spare, enough food uh, to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father. Now, I love it because, again, here's this son that said, I'm going to leave. I want everything right now. And he went to a distant land, and he's there, and he spends all of his dad's money, right? It wasn't his money. It was his dad's money. He spent all of his dad's money. He, he squandered it and did all these kinds of things. And now when he gets to this place that he has nothing left, he says, I will go home to my father that tells me that his dad was successful in his parenting because he made an impression of his son that his son would say, I know that my dad is good. Do you see that? And I'll say to my father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I have sinned against God. I have sinned against you, Dad. And I know that you treat your hired people better than I'm treated here. You, don't even, you can take my name away. I don't have to be your son as much as it hurts. Just take care of me. And so he returned home to his father, verse 20. And while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, 
He ran to his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him. Now, now this is incredible because there, there's so much going on. If, if you really grab a hold of the text, you, you grab a hold of the fact that he was in a distant land. So as this, this, this son is, is walking back home because they didn't have Southwest Airlines. They didn't have these rewards uh, that you can get from Southwest and you can, you can pay a low fare and you can just go there and get there overnight. They didn't have that. They didn't have Amtrak. They didn't have Suntran. He might have had a donkey. <laughs> but even that would take a long time. So he was in a distant land and all the way back he was rehearsing. Think, think with me, please. I hope you do just grab a hold. He was rehearsing. I have sinned against God and I've sinned against you, Dad. But I know that you're so good that you take care of your hired people. I will work for you for the rest of my life. That's what he kept thinking all the way back home. And I want you to think about if you're a parent here, when your kids are at a distant place, hear me, a distant place does not have to be a long ways away. A distant place could be them in your home, but you can't find them. They're lost. They're there, but they're not there. This is going to speak to a lot of places where we're at. And as his son's coming back, he said, I have sinned against God, heaven. That's what that means. Sinned against God. I've sinned against you, Dad. And he's rehearsing that all the way home. You got to know it wasn't like five minutes. We read through it five minutes. It wasn't like that. He's coming back. Now, while he's still a long ways off, his dad saw him coming which means that his dad had time to think about what he's going to say. You idiot! I can't believe, you moron, I can't believe that you did that. You left and now you're coming back? How stupid do you think I am? He had time to ponder. Now think about this. Has any of this ever crossed your mind? When someone is distant, when someone has gone away, when one of your kids have hurt you and they've done, all these, done something that's completely contrary to everything you've poured into their life. But this father was different. And he teaches us a different way for us to parent. The Bible says that when he was a long ways off, the son, his father saw him coming, and he was filled. Can you say this with me? He was filled with love and compassion. He was, say it with me again. He was filled with love and compassion. And I'll say this by myself. And he ran to his son, and he embraced him, and he kissed him. Now, you got to think about this. This is, this is so important. If, if you look at the context... This father had a tunic. He wasn't wearing 501s. He wasn't wearing, he wasn't wearing corduroys. He wasn't wearing slacks. You know, if you've got these, you can, it's very easy to run. He wasn't wearing, you know, shorts. He was wearing a tunic. He was wearing a robe. He was wearing what someone would consider a dress. Is there a woman in here? If you've ever tried to run in a long dress, it's really not appealing. And, and, and it's kind of something like this, right? 
You... <laughs> now think about it. Let's be biblical here, right? And that's probably how some of you guys run anyways. But he, for him to run, let's think about it. He had to humble himself. And for him to be able to run in that, they didn't have paved roads. Think about it. They had dirt road with rocks. For him to be able to walk or run in a very successful way, he would have to pick up his tonic. Run. And a a distinguished person would never do that. But because he cared so much about his son, he put the embarrassment behind because he loved him and was so compassionate about him that he ran to him. And his son said to him, now think about it, he's been rehearsing this. Father, I have sinned against, uh, both, uh, against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And his father, he, he, it was like he's not even listening. His father said to, to the servant, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and, and, and sandals for his feet and go and you kill the, the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and he has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard the music, and he saw dancing in the house. And I want you to think about this. There's so much going on. Now, when this older son left to go to the fields and work that morning, there was no talk about a party. Because usually when you're going to have a party, what do you do? You plan. we got to have the mariachis. We gotta have a DJ. We gotta have the music going. We got. We gotta get. You know. We gotta get that fattened calf. We gotta get son. We're gonna have this. So. So think about it. His. This son had been with his dad. He had no idea about it. He left out of the house to go work, and now he's coming. And there's people. There's dancing. There's singing. There's celebrating. There's. So you can smell. How many of you know when when someone's cooking? They're cooking out. Every one of us. We go outside. And we go. Man, something's going on. <laughs> he smelled the. Steaks on the grill. And he was thinking, man, we got carne asada. We, what is going what, some, what Something's going on. That's exactly where we're at. The older brother came. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music and the dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what, he was, what was going on. And the servant says, your brother is back. And your father has killed the fattened calf. And we are celebrating because of his safe return and the older brother was angry and he wouldn't go in now think about it now this his his younger brother had left remember it he took him a couple days before he got everything settled to go his older brother might have said dude what do you when you do this you're going to hurt dad how could you take that you know he's he loves you and you're going to take off and then after he took off, the, young, the older brother was working, doing all the things for his dad, being faithful to his dad. He's doing all of these things for father. 
And in that time, have you ever, has, has your brother or your sister ever done something to your parents? And, you, you, and they leave and, and you see that your parents are crying. They're waiting for them. They're, like, they're praying. They're, th- they're saying, man, I, I hope he's okay. I hope he's safe. I hope she's okay. I hope she's safe. And they're, they're thinking about him. And you as a brother, you're a sister, you're there and you're thinking, how could they do this? And you're thinking, if I ever see him again, I'm going to tell him, you're no good for nothing. Think about the logic. That's exactly what is going here. Then he comes back to a party of this guy, his brother, that had hurt his dad. The older brother was angry and he wouldn't go in. His father came out. His father begged him. And if you're a parent here, you've you ever been between a rock and a hard place because your, your, your son and your daughter aren't talking? You ever had that? You ever had two, son, two, two sons, they're not talking? Have you ever had uh, two, two daughters, they're not talking, and you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, and, and you're celebrating with one, and the other one's mad? And, you're, and, you, and, and, and so this, this father, he shows him something that is so important. He went out, and he begged him. He begged him, come and celebrate with us. No! Look what he's done to you. Look what he's done to us. Look what he's done to our name. Look at this. That better be important. It's my phone. It's it's my phone of all phones. When someone calls me, how could you do that? It's probably my brother. father begged him and the brother replied he said all these years all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do what did the brother do he put the focus on who on him I've slaved for you and everything you've told me I've never told you no I've always done what you wanted me to do I have always been here I have see sometimes we put the focus on the thing. The focus shouldn't have been on him. It should have been on the Father. He teaches us something really important about parenting. Sometimes our kids, they get focused on the wrong thing. And we got to channel their focus off of the things that are about all about themselves and put them the focus on who is really important at that time. In all that time, you never, he said, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, and, and one, one translation, I love what it says, says, he squandered your money on whores. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. You're celebrating this guy after he's, he defamed your name. He's done this. He's done that. He's done everything. Now he's talking to this. Jesus is telling this story, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, and the scribes, they're sitting just like you. They're sitting listening to him, and they're going like this. Oh, my gosh. Look how wrong he is. 
And they're, 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 they're sympathizing with the older brother because they're saying, we've been good too. And, and, and they're, they're saying, so Jesus is eating with these tax collectors and prostitutes. That's exactly what he's talking about. And we're mad. We're mad that he's loving on them. Jesus is showing them that's exactly who God is. when the son of yours comes back after you spend all your money on prostitutes you celebrate by killing the fan calf and his father said to him and I love this it's a model for us as parents the father said to him he said look look you dummy look tonto Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. I know that. Don't think that I ever don't notice what you've done. You've always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. See what a great parenting trip, uh, tip it is? Everything I have is yours. Everything I work for is yours. When I die, everything belongs to you. Don't we just love technology? <laughs> everything. And he said, but we have to celebrate. Because this is a happy day. Your brother, he was dead. We didn't know where he was. We didn't know what was going to happen to him. Have you ever had your kids out there? Have you, as a child, ever been out there? You never told your parents? And this is crazy. I, I stopped at Circle K on my way to go uh, uh, deal with a situation with, I'll talk to you about it maybe next week, talk about a crisis that I dealt with this week. And, and as I'm driving to, to uh, another place, there's, there's this young lady that sees me at Circle K, and I'm getting a soda. And as I'm getting this soda to drink, she says, will you do me a favor and tell my parents that I'm, going, I'm moving out of state? And, and I didn't tell them anything. And, and just tell them that, I, that, I'm, that I'm gone. What are the parents going to think? This was this guy. She's driving off. They've got this, this true story. They've got this truck full of all kinds of stuff. And she tells me, you go tell my dad, my mom, that, 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 I'm, that I'm gone. I'm like, it's just, this dad, he's, he's saying, my, my son was lost. He was dead. I didn't know where he was at. Now he's found. He's alive. Now he teaches us something that's so important. It teaches us why comparisons can build walls and scars and hurts that only God can heal. Three reasons that we should avoid comparisons that this story really teaches us. The first reason is comparison will always promote PBA. 
It will always promote PBA. When you compare your children to one another, it will always promote. Promote means to further the progress of something. To further the progress of something. If you're taking notes, I would put to further the progress of something. I think it's in your notes. Okay? PBA is an abbreviation not for the Pro Bowlers Association. <laughs> not for that. But it's an, abbrevi it's an abbreviation for performance-based acceptance. I'll accept you if you behave a certain way. If you act a certain way, I'm going to, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to accept you. If you act this way, everything's good. When you don't act this way, everything's bad. The tax collectors and the sinners, they were put on PBA by the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Notice that the Jesus associated himself with the tax collectors and the sinners and the religious leaders complained that he was associating with them because the Pharisees and the religious leaders, everything about them was performance-based. I'll accept you if you perform this way. And it's so easy for us as parents to fall into that trap. In fact, I really think that a lot of, so a lot of baseball fields, softball fields, a lot of uh, uh, report cards, a lot of, uh, a lot of things where people achieve, uh, they're filled with performance-based acceptance. If you practice a little bit more, if you practice, Johnny, if you practice a little bit more, look at Tommy. Tommy, he's practicing all the time. He stays after. He practices, and look at him. He hit a triple, a double, and a home run, and look at you. You struck out. You, and if you don't believe me, go and watch. If you practice a little bit more, Jenny, if you practice, you could do that ballerina where you can sit on your toes. You can, if you, look at Cindy. Look at Cindy. Look at her. Look at him. Look at, look at little Danny. Look at Danny. Look how he behaves. He behaves in church. Look at him. Look how he, he listens. Look at what he does. Look at, I wish you were like Johnny's sons. child feels can't do anything right but here's the thing that we don't live with them and we don't know what's going on behind closed doors when we compare our children with one another we're fostering the danger of performance-based acceptance the better you perform the more you'll be accepted the more you'll be recognized the more that you'll feel loved and if we find ourselves boasting about our children, one, or one of our children that is doing really, really well, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, uh, little Danny, you know, hey, he's always done well. Well, how's Marcos? How's Chewy? Let's not talk about him. Jesus was talking to people that put all their focus on the outside performance. And he was showing them that there's a father who loves everybody the same and doesn't compare them. Parents who are successful make it their aim to avoid the dangerous trap of, of performance-based acceptance. See, parents that are successful will always avoid the trap of comparing your children with each other. 
because this is what happened. I've talked to people that have told me these words. My brothers and my sisters just didn't know how to act right. I chose to act right in front of my parents. That's why I was their favorite. When we breed that mentality, when we breed that mentality, it goes generation after generation after generation where there will be some children that they will say, I acted a certain way, and so my parents loved me more than my siblings. It's a temptation we all have. And so this father teaches us that that's not the way to do it. While, while his younger son was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming, and his father, in that time of contemplation, in that time of thinking, he picks up his robe, and he runs to his son with love and compassion. And usually us as parents outside of God, we wait for our kids to come back so we can tell them how screwed up they are. And how many mistakes they've made. What a lesson, huh? What a lesson for all of us. You see, when we, when we live, when we lead our families and lead our children with performance-based acceptance, it will always, always cultivate unhealthy competition. See, there's healthy competition. There's healthy, where, where teams, opposing teams come against each other, and every person on that team strives to get better at whatever role they are. They're going to get better at the, a point guard. They're going to get better as a, as a shooting guard. They're going to get better. They're going to strive to become the best they can be so that they can go another team who's striving to be the best they can be, and they're going to play against each other. And at that competition, it's good because it generates health. It's healthy for us to want to become the best that we can be, not for the acceptance of others, but just to do the best with what God has given us in life. But our children should never feel like they are competing for our love and acceptance. And I've had people say to me, I felt like I was competing for my parents' love, I felt like I was competing for my parents' attention. And comparison can cultivate unhealthy competition. My experience since I started walking with Jesus, and there's a heart change. There's a heart change when God comes into our life. Amen? There is no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. There is a heart change that begins to happen in our lives. And I believe I was that parent in T-ball yelling at my sons, come on, hit the ball, BC. And my wife driving home saying, what are you doing? You're nuts. They gotta hit the ball. They gotta catch the ball. They should be. 
I don't think that I wanted them to hit the ball for them. I think they want, I wanted them to hit the ball for me. My son. Got it. The prom queen, that's my daughter. It's a look for me. Maybe, maybe you lived in a home where you felt like you were competing for acceptance of your family. You felt like you were competing for the love of your parents. So then it becomes osmosis to your child rearing where you have, without even knowing that, your home becomes a performance-based acceptance where everyone's competing for the love and affection of the parents. And they notice. Our kids notice. When you say, oh, you're so good, Johnny. Come here. You're so good. Well, you're good too, Dan. Danny, you're good. You're good. You need to hit the ball. We need to get better grades. It's in our nature to want to compete and win. The older brother was angry. He wouldn't go in. His father, his father came out and begged him. He replied, all these years, uh, all these years, I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing. And uh, all, the, all that time, you never gave me one young goat. But he was missing the point. And don't miss the point here. Do not miss the point here. Everything was the older brothers, just like everything was the younger don't miss the point. You see, the third reason is the most important reason. The first reason is we don't ever want to promote performance-based acceptance because it will breed unhealthy competition. And let me tell you, when you compare your children, it will always cancel Grace, because grace is unearned. And our parenting, hear me now, and you may be in here and you've never received the grace of the, of the Father in heaven. You've never received that. That grace is unearned. You may think, I'm not good enough. Uh, you just don't understand what I've done. I've been horrible. I've failed in life. I'm a failure. I'm this. I'm that. And let me tell you, God loves you when you're failing just as much as he loves you when you're achieving because he's love, and it's all about grace. Grace always wins. That's exactly why Jesus said the father talked to the older son, and he said, look, and I can just see him if I could... looks at him. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. You don't have to know. You're just a prodigal. Let me just tell you right now. No. He just looks at him and he says, dear son, dear son, see that? That older son full of legalism 
was full of self. The father was showing him a model that was so different. He said, son, everything, everything is yours because you've stayed by, with me. But your brother, but your brother, he was dead. He was dead. Your sister, she was dead. I didn't know where she was at. And now she's alive. They were lost. And now they're found. Everything is yours about stuff let's celebrate life let's celebrate that they're found don't compare yourself with others